0: guys, it's the Greg and Dave show. I'm Greg. And I'm Dave. And welcome back. Sorry guys, we've been gone for a long time. I was sick last week. And this man here has got a real W2 going on. <laughs> so, plus his kids are young, so he's always taking them somewhere and they're always busy doing something. And yeah, man. plays tennis and so and she's competitive. She pe- competes competitively, so. And he's like, uh, you know, he's a good soccer mom. But he, that's why he's busy, so we can't can't always get it done every single week like we'd like, but we do our best.
1: Happy New Year, man. Happy New Year,
0: right? Um, welcome to episode 11, by the way. So since we missed a lot, I'm going to just start reading some of this stuff. And uh, you may have already heard it, or you may have forgotten about it, because it's been a while. Alright, this article is from the Daily Signal. It's by John Stossel. Comic book fans shun superheroes' woke makeovers. Did you know that Superman's son is bisexual? So is Batman's sidekick, Robin, and lots of other superheroes created by Marvel and DC Comics. The author of... The bisexual Superman story says gay people write to say they burst into tears when they saw that the characters had become gay. We burst into tears, but it's for different reasons. (laughs) Because the legacy of something great is is dead. While it's nice to make uh, the Alphabet Plus people feel more welcome in the world, not everyone is happy. They became bisexual out of nowhere. Complaints comic creator Eric July in... They make it seem as if the only way that you can relate to a character is because you're gay and that character's gay, which is nonsense. July, his name. His name is July, his last name. July, who is black, says you don't have to share the same traits as a superhero to enjoy the character. His favorite was Batman. I ain't got Bruce Wayne money and I'm not rich and I'm certainly not white. July points out that there have long been gay comic superheroes like North Star, but what's new and dumb is that DC and Marvel are changing the identity of established characters. A new Batman is black. There's a new Spider-Man-like character, except uh, she's a lesbian who uses a wheelchair. Iron Man is now a black teenage girl. Maybe maybe this is progress. I don't. For real? Yeah. Iron Man? Yeah. <laughs> when I was a kid I say to July all the characters were white it's good thing more are non-white but they've been just reduced to being an item to pander to certain audiences that aren't really buying into buying into it July responds no they sure aren't Marvel and DC had the best-selling graphic novel novels now the bestsellers are from Japan often they are not even in color yet they outsell Marvel and DC. The
1: American-made books aren't even in the top 20. That's the same for the shows, too. Because, like, on Netflix... Oh, the, yeah. Yeah, like, you're hard-pressed to find a truly entertainment, entertaining show coming from the West. The Asians, man, the Koreans, the Japanese... Like, their shows are just so much better... Enjoyable, fun to watch, and um, yeah, and and they're just telling us yeah, just a story, yeah, an ideology,
0: yeah, yeah. They turned off their audience by hyper hyper emphasizing the social justice element. Speaking of social justice, social justice element, um, I watched a racist, bigoted movie called Candyman, (laughs) the latest version of it, and on IMDb I gave it a two. That was generous. It was, you know, and I said that was because of the acting and the special effects. Um, but man, oh man, it's the same mantra. White people are evil, white people are bad, uh, blacks are wronged, and the woke man, or I mean the candy man is here to make it right. <clears throat>
1: yeah. I couldn't get past ten minutes, and I think, th- I think that's a high estimate as to how far I got. That's I, good, because you couldn't probably would have
0: l- lost your ever-loving mind. Yeah. I, could, I it, can't afford
1: to break my TV, man. I mean, was, <laughs> that, was, On that note, there's a book. Uh, I'll try to remember the author's name before we're done. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's called Please Stop Helping Us. <laughs> I mean, and it, it's a legit piece of writing. It's a scholarly guy. Um, he is a professional academic and uh, he's talking about some of the programs that Democrats have championed for centuries under the guise of helping black folk, disenfranchised folk. And um, it has demonstrably done the complete opposite of of what they say is the, uh, the intention behind it. Uh, I'll remember his name. But please stop helping us. That is the actual name of the book, and it is a fantastic read. Yeah,
0: I'm sure. Uh, Marvel made its evil character Modak, M-O-D-A-A-K, resemble Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> they hired leftist writer Tal Nahisi Coates to I know create that. a Captain America series.
1: He's Coates a lunatic.
0: made the villain Red Skull, a bizarre version of Jordan Peterson.
1: Instead Uh of just
0: saving lives, today's comic superheroes lead protests. The cover of a Superman comic shows Superman's son leading a school strike for climate change. Uh It's so stupid. Superman, with all his powers, could solve climate change all by himself, but how he holds a protest sign. But Now he holds a protest sign. These guys are writing material for their peers, says July. So even if the son of Superman falls completely off the chart, like it did, right, it's still a win in their mind. That's another thing that amazes me is they don't care
1: about money. They really don't. You know, that was something that I've given quite a a fair amount of thought about. Because, you know, I always thought that money was... The driving force behind everything that they did, but then I realized well, they got money um so they're they're just gonna continue. They have enough where their money makes money without little effort, so I don't think there's too much ground to gain there for them, um, but I always wondered why would they sabotage themselves like this, like people. Are not interested in in what they're selling, and they 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 don't care, man. They they will destroy their houses just to push this thing, and uh, it, it's amazing to me.
0: Yeah, it's funny you said that because I just had this thought in my head about the prophets of Baal. You said they'll destroy their houses. Remember when they were cutting themselves and yep. mashing their teeth and going wacko? <laughs> That's kind of like liberals today. Um, yep, they don't do that. Uh, These guys... here I thought that capitalism would be a break on the silliest of the woke world, but in this case, they're just sabotaging their own projects. The bisexual Superman series was canceled after 18 issues. Marvel came up with two not-so-superheroes named Snowflake and Safe Space. (laughs) (laughs) Snowflake is non-binary and goes by they-them. That's real, right? Yeah. (laughs) It says the writer in Marvel's video introducing the characters. Fan reaction to the preview video was pretty bad. Marvel decided not to release Snowflake in safe space. Wow. I wanted to ask Marvel and DC why they seem fine with losing market share. Aren't their investors angry? Neither company would talk to me. At least their stupidity gives new opportunities to independent creators like Eric July. He's raised $3.7 million to fund a new superhero comic book, Isom, I-S-O-N. The market will decide if people want to pay for new characters like him. But July understands something that Marvel and DC apparently no longer do. Capitalism means giving people what they want.
1: Yep. You you can't force them to buy it. Like, um, Top Gun Maverick, you know it got nominated for Best Movie at the Oscars, right? No, I'm
0: surprised it got nominated for anything, but yeah. it, it sp- well I guess
1: that makes sense because uh, it's the uh, the highest grossing movie all of last year, I mean it broke every box office record, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's without Chinese money, so, yeah, <laughs> that's right, so I read, I, think i might have sent it to you right you know the new booster they're pushing bivalent all right now when an established liberal news media outlet goes against anything that is being pushed today you know it's bad bivalent is the new booster that they're pushing and um A group of doctors and and researchers from universities across the east coast uh, came to find out that um, the manufacturers of Bivalent was, and I quote, misleading in their um, offering of what this booster can do. And what they've discovered is that booster was designed to fight the original strain of COVID. And as a result, it does absolutely nothing to protect against any variant that has followed. All right. And, um, they have done no clinical trials on this. They've released none of their research or findings on this. And, um, this is what they're pushing today for that new strain. Um, and what it's doing is it's actually increasing the recipient's odds of contracting the virus.
0: <laughs> yeah, I thought that I also heard today on the uh, WEF, the World Economic Forum, uh-huh. Glass Shrub, uh, they're working on combining COVID and flu vaccine into one shot. Right. And making that mandatory for school stuff like that. You guys remember the Idaho Murderer? I don't know if you've read about it or followed it. Uh, this is from NTD by Tom Ozdemick. More details have emerged about Brian Kohlberger, the man suspected of killing four University of Idaho students, including reports that he was studying for a Ph.D. in criminology and that he underwent a personality shift in high school that his friends found troubling. You remember this, right, this guy? Authorities said Kohlberger was arrested early Friday morning. This is back on December 21st. By the Pennsylvania State Police, with the assistance of other law enforcement agencies, at a home in Albrightsville, Pennsylvania, around 2,500 miles away from the scene of the crime, Kober has been charged with four counts of first-degree murder and felony burglary in the November 13th slayings of Kaylee Gon- Goncalves, 21, Madison Mogan, 21. Zaina Karnoodle, 20, and Ethan Chapman, Chapman, 20, who were all stabbed to death. The victims' bodies were found on November 13th in their beds in their off-campus home in Moscow, Idaho. That's kind of a weird name for Moscow, Idaho. With the grisly crime sending a shockwave through a small college town. Fears of a repeat attack prompted nearly half of the University of Idaho's over 11,000 students to switch to online classes and leave the city. Safety concerns also led the university to hire security to escort students across campus. The case, which police described as very complex and extensive, initially appeared to mystify law enforcement, though officials have now said they were guarded in their release of information so as not to alert the suspect to investigators' progress. This was a very complex and extensive case we had, developed a clear picture over time, and we stand assured that the work is not done. This has just started. James Fry, Moscow police chief. Fry added, the investigators are still looking for all the evidence, including the murder weapon. Coburger is being held without bond in Pennsylvania. He's waiting extradition to Idaho. Mattak County prosecutor Bill Thompson said investigators believe Coburger Koberger broke into the student's home with the intent to commit murder.
1: That's some Ted Bundy stuff yeah, right there, man.
0: Eh? Uh, let's see, Thompson added that this is not the end of the investigation, but a new beginning. This is interesting. Koberger is a PhD student in the Department of Criminal Justice and Criminology at Washington State University which is a brief drive across the state line from the University of Idaho. He graduated from Northampton Community College in Pennsylvania with an Associate of Arts degree in Psychology in 2018. DeSales University, if I'm saying that right, in Pennsylvania said that he received a bachelor's degree in 2020 and completed graduate studies in June 2022. Ben Roberts, a graduate student in Washington State University's Department of Criminal Justice and Criminology, told the AP that Coburger seemed super awkward and was always looking for a way to fit in. Roberts said he had several classes with Koberger and described him as wanting to appear academic. One thing he would always do, this is a quote from uh, Roberts, uh, almost without fail, was find the most complicated way to explain something. Quiet and deadpan. Fellow student B.K. Norton told the New York Post that Koberger seemed smart and was particularly interested in forensic psychology. Norton noted that when the subject of the murders came up in class discussion, he recalled Koberger remaining quiet and deadpan. I'm still in shock. I didn't think Brian was capable of this, Norton told the outlet. Justice, or excuse me, Justin Williams, a 33-year-old employee at Washington State University who lives in an adjacent building to Koberger, told Fox News that he rarely saw the suspected killer. I'd see him go, check his mail, that was it. Other than that, I've only seen him twice the whole time, and he lived here since July 21. Williams said, who added added that Koberger's behavior seemed normal and he saw nothing unusual. Carry himself. Andrew Chow, Chow, however, a graduate student who lives at the Washington State University housing complex where Kohlberger lives, told the outlet that he hadn't noticed anything unusual at all. Kohlberger's former high school friend told the Daily Beast that he suspected Killer was slightly overweight, down to earth, teen during their junior year, but then he got lean and developed. And Aggressive personality. Nick McLaughlin of Pleasant Valley, Pennsylvania told the outlet their friendship fell apart after Coburger started taking boxing lessons and started picking fights. He always wanted to fight somebody, he was bullying people. We started cutting him off from our friend group because he was 100% a different person, McLaughlin told the outlet. Following the murders, Lataw County Coroner Kathy Mabbitt described the slain as an ambush and said they, that they appeared to have been personal as each victim was stabbed a number of times. It has to be somebody that is pretty angry in order to stab four people to death. Autopsy showed all four victims were likely asleep when they were attacked, though some had defensive wounds. Alright, so that was December 31st, and this one is January 5th, so now this is an update on this guy. Uh, Coburger murder affidavit left behind, knife sheath, DNA led to capture and arrest. The The affidavit also chillingly states that one of the surviving roommates heard crying and saw a figure clad in black clothing and a mask on the day of the murders. This is from Just the News by Madeline Hubbard. The man accused of stabbing four University University of Idaho College students to death was identified through DNA and evidence left on a knife sheath at a crime scene and cellular data showed his phone was in the area of the Moscow, Idaho crime scene. The Anaheim State Lab discovered DNA on a knife sheath left on the bed next to victim Madison Mogan, the Moscow Police Department said. Officials used trash recovered from his family's Pennsylvania home to link Kohlberger's DNA to the crime scene. Kohlberger's phone records show he used cellular resources that provide coverage to the area of crime scene. On at least 12 occasions, prior to, to November 13th, 2022, the date of the murders, Payne said all of these occasions except for one occurred in the late evening and early morning hours of their respective days. The affidavit was released the same day Coburger appeared in Idaho court. The affidavit uh, chillingly stated that once 5 roommate woke up at 4 a.m. the day of the murders and heard victim Kaylee Goncalves I apologize, Kaylee. Say something like, Someone's been here. The roommate said she looked out her bedroom and heard a male voice say, It's okay, I'm going to help you. She later heard crying and saw a figure clad in black clothing and a mask that covered the person's mouth and nose walking toward her. The male walked past her and toward the back door, and she locked herself in her bed. He's been arrested. Reports of police suicides explode in Chicago over week of Christmas. This is by the Daily Signal oh, on January 1st. Some topics are difficult to write and read about, and the suicide rate of our police officers is one of them. Understandably, it's something we as a nation don't like to think about. Consequently, the media doesn't concentrate on covering it often. And there's never a good time to bring it up. So it was that. A few, day, a few days before Christmas, a local Phoenix police organization put out this urgent request for prayer on social media. The Glendale, Arizona Fraternal Order of Police, Lodge 12, wrote, As I said, it was only because the Glendale Fraternal Order of Police, FOP, me to it that I know at all, and that it shouldn't be. In their, in their piece, the Chicago Sun-Times wrote about this wake-up call, which I think is for all Americans. The apparent suicide of a third Chicago cop within a week needs to be a wake-up call for a department that has been long criticized over how it takes care of its officers. A psychologist who treats members of law enforcement told the Son Thomas. Earlier in the day, an officer was found dead at his home in the Chicago Lawn District on the southwest side. According to police department spokesman Tom Hearn, it was believed that he took his own life, but no details. Details still have not been released. A week later, except for his age 51 and that he was a resident of the 8th District Fox 3 now report. 51 is, a, is way too young to die and sometimes continues with Windy City's death toll for what's supposed to be a joyous time of year. On Tuesday, an off-duty officer was found dead of an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound. She had been on the force five years and had been working as a tactical officer in the Central District downtown. Ahern said. On December 15th, a 58-year-old officer was found dead in the 5,800 block of North Northwest Highway, also of an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound. Since 2018, at least 12 Chicago-area police officers have taken their own lives. Eight of those deaths have ha- happened in 2022 alone. The publication spoke with a psychologist who worked for the department for 13 years. If we don't start talking about this, then people are going to do just happened this last week, said Dr. Carey. Steiner, a psychologist whose practice focuses solely on law enforcement officers and their spouses. Unsurprisingly, when she left the department she understood how urgent the need was to help these heroes. But there's a looming political problem too, which Red State has written on which Red State has written extensively before. In progressive blue cities like Chicago, they're simply isn't respect for the job police do one example i shared in a piece back in august 2021 was chicago mayor lloyd lightfoot
1: Heavyfoot, <laughs> aka beetlejuice
0: <laughs> yeah, using the death of one officer in the line of duty to push an anti-gun agenda whatever the circumstances that the left's message is loud and clear in the upper management's and chicago's politicians In the sometimes peace. Family members of officers who have taken their own lives have said the stress of the job is magnified by the department's practice of routinely canceling days off. In late August, City Inspector General Deborah Wittsburg released a report that found nearly 1,200 officers had to work at least 11 straight days earlier this year. An officer who spoke to a reporter Thursday on the condition their name not be used echoed Steiner <coughs> in saying members of the force don't believe Lightfoot or Brown understand the gravity of not giving officers more time off. They just don't get it, the officer said. I don't think they're out to get us. I just think they don't have any understanding of what it's like. Then how are these people over there? Why do you put people over you that have have never done the job that you're doing? That's
1: usually how it goes, man.
0: The the reminder, Glendale FOP has on his Twitter account is crucial for everyone, regardless of political affiliation, to hear. Police are not the problem. In fact, they are the last, best hope for man, for many of our communities. Exactly right, and we all need to act like it more often.
1: You know... uh, (laughs) No it is it's not and that is a vicious cycle. that is a vicious cycle of stupidity because if those communities are abandoned by law enforcement just for one week. Just one week. But this is the thing, on the other hand. The people that live in those communities support the police, so I was looking at some street interviews um, of people in New York City when Eric Adams um, they were having discussions about pulling pulling back the number of police officers that they have, um, which would result in in um, in some neighborhoods and communities being underpoliced and. Every single resident that they spoke to was like, hell no. So this is not the sentiment of the people. This is these lunatic people that make decisions, these radical progressives that make these decisions unilaterally that are in no one's best interest, um, but they're you know. I have. I need to see with my own two eyes that a voting block would look at John Fetterman and see that's our guy. That is who we want. I I find that hard to believe, man. I I find that real hard to believe. And you know, given their shenanigans in the last presidential election, you know. It, it used to be a foregone conclusion that Democrats would win New York, California, mm-hmm. um, Chicago, and some of the other um, cities in Illinois. But after Trump's election, I'm not so convinced, man. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not so convinced at all. So.
0: All right, let's move on here. Report. Times Square New Year's Eve attacker was known wolf whose family notified authorities. Now, I don't know if you guys remember this. This is January 2nd. Um, but this guy, you remember this? I do not. Yep. Republican Daily by Admin, published on January 2nd of this year, police have now charged a, man, a Maine teenager, Trevor Bickford, 19, with attempted murder and assault after he allegedly attacked two New York City police officers with a machete in Manhattan. New Times Square on New Year's Eve. Bickford went up to three police officers who were on New Year's Eve duty. He attacked and slashed two of the officers with a machete.
1: And he got arrested?
0: (laughs) (laughs) One of the officers was on his first day on the job.
1: I remember that. The suspect was then
0: shot in the shoulder and stopped by a third officer who was also injured. All three officers are expected to recover. Bickford is being investigated for Islamic Extremism, although he's not facing terrorism charges yet. Turns out that he was being watched by the FBI's counterterrorism task force, according to the New York Post. According to sources, Bickford reportedly told law enforcement after he was arrested that he just hatched the plan on Friday and wanted to attack police officers because police are quote in of the state. I remember this. Close quote.
1: First, first day of the job.
0: He allegedly only turned radical within the last month. It was so bad his family called authorities. And Bickford's mother and aunt had notified authorities because he apparently made statements indicating <coughs> a desire to go fight in Afghanistan alongside Islamic militants, landing him on the fake BI's terrorism guardian watch list. According to sources, investigators were said to be looking at Bickford's internet history including his phone and computer. The suspected cop-hater carried a diary and a handwritten manifesto in his backpack in which he urged his family to please repent to Allah and accept Islam. Bickford also had a last will and testament with him. Wow, this 19-year-old has thought this through. That's pretty rare for, <laughs> for a teenager indicated that he thought he was going to be killed in the attempt. Should the authorities have been. are also looking into possible jihadist writings they, that he may have made online. <coughs> Prior to his father's death in 2018, he was described as a normal teen. who played on the Wells High Championship football team, won awards for art, made the honorable. Imagine how bad it has to be for the family to go to the authorities to report their concerns. They did the right thing. The family got that he was in crisis. But the question is, when they weren't. But the question is, then why weren't they watching him, given how serious that must have been? Once again, you had a known wolf, but seemingly the inability to stop him. Why is this always the case? Now there are limitations in terms of actions that you can take until the person breaks the law or gives you a probable cause. But, given the family notification, it sounds like he would have been a priority for watching. But obviously they weren't watching very closely if he was able to go on the way on a train from Maine to New York City without anyone stopping him. Plus I can't help but think about his, this case that perhaps with more attention this man and other known, wolf, known wolves might have been stopped. But as we saw in Twitter Files release about the corrupt B.I. task force looking into foreign influence on elections, the FBI spent a lot of time looking at Americans not foreign, foreign influence and jokes about elections flagging speech that was then suppressed by Twitter. You' looking at the use, when you're looking at that use of time, maybe stopping a terrorist attack is just slightly more important than jokes that the election is on Wednesday not on Tuesday.
1: Why is it they, uh-huh. these progressive, the progressive left, doesn't accuse Islam of homophobia or bigotry? That's the same reason why they will never take any action on that kind of report made against someone. Yep. <laughs>
0: all right, January third. Um, facial recognition software leads to mistaken arrest of Georgia man. I thought this was interesting because you know China's all in on the facial recognition, and uh, America's working that, working that way too. Oh, you can't make a mistake with facial software. It's a computer. It's an AI. No. Yeah, anyone who has ever seen a Hollywood dystopian action flip knows that the more automated life becomes, the closer we are to huddling in giant underground cities while neat humans battle the machines for dominance over the planet. When it comes to law enforcement activities, the use of artificial intelligence takes on a particularly sinister feel. San Francisco recently suspended its killer robot program after Americans discovered it has an actual killer robot program. <laughs> Robotic aids, not unlike those sent in to examine and contain bombs, had been approved for use against violent suspects in some extreme situations. Boy, you can see how they'd love to apply that. To I'm them. right. Uh, The thought of sending a robot in to assess and react to a very human situation seems like a very good way to make some very bad mistakes. Machines are not infallible after all and they cannot replicate the nuances and complicated processes of human judgment and interaction. One Georgia man recently discovered the dark side of facial recognition technology when he was arrested on a warrant from Louisiana. Randall Reed, 28, was picked up in DeKalb County, Georgia, last November. Authorities had connected him to a string of purse thefts in Jefferson Parish in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Randall insisted he'd never been to Louisiana in his life and didn't even know what Jefferson Parish was. He couldn't have done it. The problem is the computer said... He did.
1: It's an interesting place for them to, to give that program a dry run. For those of you who don't know, DeKalb is uh, predominantly well, black uh, county community. So, just say, you know. <laughs> they told me I had a warrant out for Jefferson
0: Parish. I said, "What is Jefferson Parish?" Reed said, "I have never been to Louisiana in a, a Louisiana a day in my life." Then they told me it was not. It was for theft. So not only have I not been to Louisiana, I also don't steal. Facial recognition software connected surveillance images to Reed's Georgia identification records. And an arrest warrant was issued by Baton Rouge. By Baton Rouge authorities. Georgia authorities executed the warrant and jailed the Georgia. Reed was later released after authorities noticed significant discrepancies between the two men. (laughs) So the the authorities noticed the discrepancy, not the uh, sophisticated computer.
1: Well, you see, the robot, no Uh old black folks look alike, man. So. so uh, (laughs) That's all that is. Reed had a mole
0: on his face while the suspect did not. There was also at least. 40-pound difference between the men. The one feature they had in common was that
1: they are both black. <laughs> Tell you, man. We all look alike, you know. The what
0: has renewed fears around the inherent danger in relying on technology and law enforcement situations. Facial recognition software is known to misidentify Black people and other minority groups at a much higher rate than white people.
1: I want to see the code, man. That's. Yeah, that. yeah.
0: man. An MIT study of three commercial gender recognition systems found they had error errors rates error rates up to thirty four percent for dark skinned women a rate nearly 40 times that for white men. The Commerce Department study late last year shows similar findings looking at instance, instances in which an algorithm wrongly identified two different people as the same person. The study found that error rates for black men and women were two orders of magnitude higher than for Eastern Europeans who showed the lowest rates. <laughs> like you said, who came up with the code? I got racist robots, man. That's hey,
1: involved, man. imagine that.
0: It isn't just a racial vulnerabilities. It isn't just the racial vulnerabilities that make the technology creepy. It's just creepy. Recently, a New York City lawyer was turned away from a Holiday Rockets performance after facial recognition technology in the lobby identified her as a lawyer for the firm. That is involved in bringing lawsuits against the parent entertainment company, Madison Square Garden Entertainment. The woman was only accompanying her daughter's Girl Scout troop for a day, uh, a day of fun, but had to leave the group after being flagged by the software. One might say the show had the right to reject people who could be there gathering information to bolster a lawsuit, but using facial recognition software to do it creates more problems than it solves. Particularly when it comes to privacy. China already has facial recognition to crack down on citizens in nearly every aspect of life. That thought alone should be enough to give any American pause when it comes
1: to the technology. I can't believe Al Sharpton wasn't all over that. Yeah. yeah. It was good old Al Sharpton, man. Yeah?
0: Just Jackson. Health workers cry foul on FDA claiming it did prohibit ivermectin for COVID-19. January 3rd by the Epic Times uh, by Katie Spence. Uh, Dr. Yus- Yusuf Salibi has practiced medicine for more than 30 years. He serves patients in South Carolina and, until recently, have never faced an investigation from his state medical board. Well, I think you guys have probably heard this. If you, if you want to know more about it, you can check the show notes on this but basically you know ivermectin has been forbidden and anything ivermectin is sacrilege to the left even though it's been a wonderful
1: yeah the 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 pharmaceutical companies prohibited doctors from treating uh covet patients with it mm-hmm. um under pain of of losing their license yeah. um, which is which is kinda terrible because as a medical practitioner I mean you can practice medicine anywhere right you can leave one hospital go to another but if you lose your license that's it your your life is over as a doctor or a nurse which is um, which is pretty much the the worst thing that can happen to someone in that field to have their license taken away for trying to save someone's life yeah, or treat just, treat someone, you know.
0: I mean, that's so tyrannical.
1: Yeah.
0: To keep people down.
1: Yeah, but don't don't you see this? <laughs> the billionaires don't want vaccinated people flying their private jets.
0: Yeah, well, wasn't you telling me that? Uh, Blood banks don't want vaccinated
1: blood. Yeah. Yep. So. Jordan
0: Peterson can face college tribunal over social media posts. Epic Times by Tara Mac Isaac, January 3rd. <laughs> the Ontario College of Psychologists is requiring Jordan Peterson to come. Let's see. Uh, Peterson tweeted on January 3rd. Breaking: The Ontario College of Psychologists at CP Ontario has demanded that I submit myself to mandatory social media communication retraining with their experts. For among other crimes, retweeting a Conservative Party leader, Pierre Poilievre, and criticizing uh, dictator Justin Trudeau and his political allies. He said if he doesn't cooperate with the trainings, he could face a college disciplinary tribunal and lose his license. He said on Twitter that he could not post the letter he received from the college online due to confidentiality. The college replied to the other times inquiring on this matter by saying the college is not authorized to provide this information as per the confidentiality. Peterson listed off the kinds of comments he has made that the college took issue with criticizing climate change models, objecting to surgery on gender dysphoric minors, warning Canadians it was wrong for social services workers and police to threaten to apprehend the children of the trekker Convoy protesters. Peterson said the SJW social justice warrior Have been weaponized. The domain of professional misconduct complaints. Bruce Party, executive director of the group Rights Pro, agreed, tweeting in response Professional regulators have become ideological. You get the idea. Tyranny it's not just outside the U.S., it's in the U.S.
1: Yeah, I mean, and you see, you have two back-to-back instances, right? They use a very heavy-handed approach um, or technique to regulate how doctors treat patients. Mm-hmm. And here you have a scenario where the same methodology is is, is leveraged to tell a world-renowned professor what he can and cannot teach in his college lectures i mean it it, it really can't be any clearer it really really can't
0: All right i'll read this one in a little more detail because it talks about infection fatality rate of COVID. in the epic times Naveen afro uh, infection fatality rate of COVID nineteen was okay. Hold on. Point zero 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 three percent at ages zero to nineteen, says the study. So these are some real numbers that are gonna, you're going to hear about the dangers of COVID nineteen. A study that looked into the age stratified infection fatality rate or IFR of COVID-19 among the non elderly population has found that the rate was extremely low among young people. The median IFR was 0.0003% for the 0 to 19 year old, 0.002% for the 20 to 29, 0.011% at 30 to 39, 0.035% at 40 to 49, 0.123% at 50 to 59 and 0.506% at 60 to 69.
1: And this is what this is the virus that caused the pandemic we're talking about, right? right? Okay.
0: And I hope you noticed there that at one time did I go over 1%. The study conducted across 29 countries. At a global level, pre-vaccination IFR may have been as low as 0.03% and 0.0% for 0-59, 0-69-year-old people, respectively. The study aimed to accurately estimate the IFR of COVID-19 among non elderly populations in the absence of vaccination or prior infection. For every additional 10 years in age, the IFR which is, remember, infection fatality rate, was observed to increase by roughly four times. After including data from nine more nations, the median IFR from 0 to 59 years came in at 0.025 to 0.032%, uh, and for 0 to 69 years was at 0.063 to 0.08 percent According to the study, the analysis suggests a much lower pre-vaccination IFR in the non elderly population than had been suggested previously. Large differences found between nations were pegged to differences in factors like comor- comor- comorbidities. <laughs> yeah, comorbidities. I don't know why I struggle with that word. Vaccine dangers among youth. A recent study that analyzed children between the ages of 5 and 17 who had received Pfizer COVID-19 shots found an elevated risk of heart inflammation among children as young
1: as 12 years old. But that's normal for a 12-year-old to have a heart attack or right. cardiac arrest. or you know. It just
0: makes you sick to think about the left, which is like Biden, the demon crap party, is the Which was Twitter before Elon bought it and Facebook and Google and media how responsible they are for so many deaths.
1: Well that was the goal, right? <clears throat> I mean I have I've said this from even when Trump was in office. I am like, they are going to use this to get the numbers down. That is like the absolute highest priority item of the global elite. Too many people on the planet. It's like, man, you crazy. Man, you're a conspiracy theorist. Look at what's happening, man. Japan had to have legislation drawn up last week to boost their birth rate because so many people are dying over there and they're not procreating yeah so I mean
0: (laughs) myocarditis and pericarditis met the threshold for a safety signal for children aged between 12 and 17 following the second and third doses these heart conditions can cause long-term issues the signal detected for myocarditis-pericarditis is consistent with published peer-reviewed publications demonstrating an elevated risk of myocarditis-pericarditis following mRNA vaccines, especially among younger males aged 12 to 29, the researchers said. An interview with Fox News back in January, MIT researcher Stephanie Seneff had said that it was outrageous to give COVID-19 vaccines to young people as they have a very, very low risk of dying from the infection. When looking at the potential harms of these vaccines for children, they don't make any sense, she added. With repeated boosters, such treatment will be devastating in the long term.
1: they still pushing this crap, man. Parents should do
0: absolutely everything they can to avoid getting their children vaccinated against COVID-19, the research scientist advised. Some countries stopped their COVID-19 vaccine program for children. In October, the Swedish Public Health Authority ceased recommending vaccination for 12 to 17-year-olds, except under special circumstances. The agency acknowledged that very few healthy children have been affected seriously by the virus. (sighs) Overall, we see that the need for care as a result of COVID-19 has been low among children and young people during the pandemic and has also decreased since the virus variant Omicron began to spread. Soren Anderson, head of a unit at the Public Health Authority, told broadcaster SVT at the time, in this phase of the pandemic, we do not see that there is a continued need for vaccination in this group. Meanwhile, the U.S., the FDA is pushing ahead with vaccinating children, allowing emergency clearance of vaccines from Pfizer and Moderna for children as young as just six months.
1: I have a question. (laughs) All right. It is obviously clear. That this drug is killing people, killing kids. I
0: mean, it, it's obvious to us. No, no, they
1: they know, oh, okay, they, know. they know the, the people, right? They know this is happening, right? Which is why there is a complete blackout on the kids that die from this thing, and I've been tracking this for the past year almost a fanatic a fanatic degree and they know that kids are dying and yet they're still trying to force people to take this and force it on parents to get their kids um, with these with these shots how can you explain that that's pure evil that, man. That,
0: that's what I was thinking. Pure
1: evil. There's no other explanation for that. None. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to legislate it like you in some in some states they wanna um it's a requirement for them to go to school, like their mm-hmm. regular immunizations. I mean they know it's killing people. They know. And, you know, that is something that people would do well to come to terms with. You know, the men of old didn't have this problem when dealing with the enemies of God. When I mean, of course, there were a few exceptions, but they had an understanding of of the nature of evil. And that's why they have, as far as is documented in Scripture, have had no problem wiping out an entire people when God instructed them to because they understood what evil is and, and how it manifests itself, and they didn't play around with it mm-hmm. it is is nothing to take lightly. These people are evil there is no other way you can you can explain this
0: it's psychologically disturbing to think that there's some justification for it. That they have some kind of justification. Data from the CDC shows that it is the vaccinated population that made up most of the COVID-19 deaths in August. Let me read that again, in case he does Data from the CDC, from the CDC itself, shows that it is the vaccinated population that made up most of the COVID-19 deaths in August. In August. During that month, six thousand five hundred twelve deaths were recorded, of which fifty-eight point six percent were attributed to vaccinated or boosted individuals. Back in January, COVID nineteen deaths among the vaccinated and boosted had only made up forty-one percent of the total mortalities.
1: And I think the numbers are even higher than that because the CDC started; yeah. they started rejecting um, the the data in their adverse. Their um, system, until they act, they took the whole thing down completely. So you couldn't, you couldn't report adverse effects to the uh, to the vaccine. I, I listen, man. If you don't realize what was going on in the world today, you might as well just go jump in a lake somewhere, man. Like it, it cannot be any clearer. Not it it really can't
0: <laughs> not to us. what's frustrating and i see it all the time cuz we live in atlanta and atlanta is just it's this is a mathematical thing it's not a racist thing it's uh heavily populated by black folk
1: yeah especially in the in the the city and the the environs yeah
0: and they they continue to vote democrat and You know, way back in the 60s, whenever it started, the indoctrination of the black community has sunk through generation to
1: generation,
0: and so it's really hard for them to break out of that.
1: Yeah, because and this goes back to Lyndon Johnson and his war on poverty, that man single handedly destroyed the black communities in this country and the black family and they never recovered we as a community never recovered from that I mean and I tell people all the time like my personal opinion is the damage is done and there is no reversing it and I say well what do you do save your house as a black man with children, save your house. Protect your house. That is the best you can do. And hope that your neighbors uh, are moved by your position and, and the stance that you've taken. But as a community, man, the damage is done. And, and there is no coming back as a as a group. Um save your house you know joshua said it he said choose this day whom you'll serve he said but as for me and my house we will serve the lord and that's the position that you gotta take and, and hope that your lifestyle and, and what you stand for is a testimony and an example to those around you you know that's the best you can hope for you know be a good minister of the gospel be a good testimony of christ and uh, and 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 that's it, but it it it's terrible um, when you see what what happens in, in these black communities across the country. It it really is terrible.
0: Yeah, it's frustrating because they keep voting for the same people that put them down.
1: Yeah, it's Stockholm syndrome right. at its yeah. at its finest.
0: Well, that's all we got time for today, folks. So we thank you for watching and. Uh, Continue to reach out to us, if uh, the Greg and Dave show at Outlook.com. Um, let us know. Give us a review. Let us know what you like, don't like. Something needs work. Thanks for watching. Thanks for supporting. And we'll see you next time. Peace.